scripture for this evening's sermon, which is a, a brief meditation, is from Mark 15:33. This is the word of God. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Let us pray. Father, your word has been read. Now may the words of my mouth as the preacher and the thoughts of each one of our hearts as hearers be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Darkness over all the land. It's hard to believe it, but there was a day and an age when life ceased at sundown. You couldn't stay up past sunset without lighting candles or having some arm at your side to protect yourself from thieves. Yet today we live in a 24-7, always-on society, and the normal, healthy, God-given boundary rhythm of daytime work, nighttime rest, is all but obliterated. The ingenuity and, I think, even foolishness of man has driven us to distraction, which is where our problem lies. As helpful as modern technology is, it can easily create the illusion that we are the masters of the world and we are the creators of all that there is. Technology, which literally means the work of our hands, combined with our sin, tends to silence the voice of God in creation, but God still speaks nonetheless. He uses creation to get our attention, which is what we see in the text for this evening. Darkness over all the land conveyed a lesson for God's people then and today. But before we consider that lesson, let's take a look at what was actually going on. What is the story of darkness in this passage? Well, first of all, Jesus was hung on the cross at around nine in the morning. The darkness in our text didn't begin until noon. What this says is that for three hours, the Son of God hung on the cross in broad daylight. There was no mistaking it. There was no hiding it. In full view, for all to see, the Son of Man was lifted up and hung on that torture stake. The witness was undeniable. Imagine if darkness had begun at nine and the entire spectacle had been shrouded in gloom. The enemies of our Lord could easily say that it didn't happen, but it did. He really was nailed to the cross. There could be no doubt. He was crucified in broad daylight. But then the darkness. At noon, the sun closed its eye, as it were. What kind of darkness was this? It could not have been an ordinary solar eclipse. Here's how we know. Solar eclipses last anywhere between five and ten minutes. And this eclipse, whatever it was, lasted for three hours. We also know that during Passover, the, the celebration of Passover is marked by a lunar cycle, the full moon. 
and the moon is geographically situated around the earth so as to make a solar eclipse impossible at that time. So it was not an astronomical eclipse as perhaps scientists might define it. Whatever darkness was, was produced some other way. Now it says that the darkness was over all the land in our verse. What does this mean? It could not have covered the whole earth because half the earth was in darkness as it always is on every single solar day since creation began. So at the most it could have only covered those parts of earth that were in daylight. But there's reason to believe in the biblical account that the darkness was only over Israel and perhaps only over Judah and perhaps only over Jerusalem. That is because the parallel account in Exodus chapter 10 shows that darkness and the plague of darkness was only over the land of Egypt and only over the Egyptians' homes. I'll return to that in a moment. And finally, there appears to be in this darkness an accompanying silence. Again, the text says, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark and the other gospel accounts invite us to imagine with good reason that the brother of the darkness was a kind of supernatural or human response of a night Sabbath of sorts. Think of it, high noon when people are eating and going about the work of the day and the darkness comes and work ceases, eating ceases, conversation ceases, fear replaces all of those efforts. I believe the story of darkness brought with it, at the very least, an onset of anxiety, consternation, frustration, and even silence. Spurgeon puts it this way, around the great deathbed of the cross where the Son of God hung, an appropriate quiet was secured. That's the story of darkness, but we're here to learn from the darkness. What can we glean from this? Three Ds. First, disorder. Darkness in the Bible is not necessarily sinful. The first instance of darkness was in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Sin was long to enter the scene. We see there that God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And then in verse 2, the earth is formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, philosophers and theologians have debated and discussed the very nature of this darkness for centuries, millennia. What was this darkness of the primeval pre-fall world? Well, the answer is that the darkness was representative not of sin, but of disorder. That's right. The world initially as created by God 
was yet to be organized and structured according to the kind of place where the prince of creation, man himself, would inhabit with Eve, his wife, bearing the image of God. And it's the spirit of God, like a mother bird, hovering over the chaos of darkness that precedes that first act of creation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw it and said, it is good. I think likewise, Christ with his dying and rising from the dead was like a mother bird hovering over the chaos of sin that our lives have created. And his descending into that darkness and rising from that darkness, the disorder, would bring structure, renewed structure, refreshed structure to the world of God's creation. But not only is the darkness indicative of disorder, I think there's deference. I think the darkness of creation is creation bowing its head in deference to the Son of God hanging on the cross in such a shameful way. The fact that the sun was darkened at noon, the brightest star in our solar system, was deferring to the Creator who spoke and said, let there be light. One commentator said, the darkness shows nature's sympathy and grief. You see, there's a connection between the creature and the Creator. And while men were hurling insults at the Creator hanging on the cross, the Son of God who's dying for our sins, mouthing blasphemy, creation looked on in shock, aghast at what the princes of creation were doing to the Word of God. I think it also fulfills prophecy in this regard. Listen to Amos chapter 8. And on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son at the end of a bitter day. So disorder in creation, deference to the Creator. The third lesson, the third D, is the worst of all, damnation or judgment from the Father. The sun was darkened because darkness in the Bible signifies the wrath and justice of God poured out in the true and right, proper condemnation. That's where we get our word damnation from. God condemns sin in the darkness. Over and over again in the prophets, we read the, 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 the presence of God in his fury and in his wrath, a righteous wrath, not the wrath of an angry man, but the pure and holy wrath of a righteous God signifies sin judgment. I mentioned Egypt just a few moments ago. When Pharaoh refused to let Moses and the people go, God sent ten plagues. And in the ninth plague, God commanded Moses. He said, Moses... Stretch out your hand towards heaven that there would be darkness over the land of Egypt. That's Exodus 10.21. And the result we read is that they, the Egyptians, did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. Three days of darkness. But of course we read in the story that there was light in the homes 
of the Israelites. You see, God was distinguishing with the darkness the people who bore his wrath and the people of his choice, not because they were good or godly or, or wise or intelligent or clever, but because they were the recipients of God's sovereign mercy. While everyone should have been darkened in that plague of darkness, it was the people of his election, the people of his love, undeserving people who were illuminated by his mercy and his grace. I think likewise, in the sovereign plan of God, darkness was over the land of Israel for three hours, not three days. God came in judgment and damnation, and all who sought relief could find none except by looking to Christ. They were to understand that the curse of God rested over the city of God and, in particular, over the Son of God. The darkness is nature's way of preparing for the accursed cry of Jesus from the cross. The sound that pierced the silence in the darkness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I used to be a biology teacher, and I love nature, and I love creation. And with my faith, I've learned that we live in a world of words. In other words, all creation speaks. And if you listen, you can hear it. Every single thing that God has made is a kind of revelator, a revealer. David tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Can you hear it when you look at the stars at night or at the sun and the clouds in the day? From rocks to birds to trees, from the skies and stars and planets above to the great ocean depths and all the creatures within them, both great and small. But it is hard to hear creation. You've heard of light pollution. When you travel west or go someplace less populated, maybe to upstate New York or even to the Poconos, it's amazing how many stars you can see. Likewise, in our hyper-connected, always-on society, it's hard to hear God's voice in the wind and in the waves. Hence, a Good Friday worship service of shadows and of silence. It's a religious, it's a ritual hush in which we force ourselves to concentrate on the darkness over all the land and that negative coming of disorder and deference and damnation. I wonder if anyone is paying attention. The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning captured this sentiment when she wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees who takes off his shoes. Interesting phrase, only he who sees takes off his shoes. It's an allusion to the burning bush, speaking of Moses. Moses was out in the field shepherding the sheep, and he came across a bush that was aflame, but it wasn't consumed, and a voice came from amidst of the bush and said, Moses, the place on which you were standing is what? Holy ground. 
Browning's message is that it isn't just Moses' bush which is a flame that brings a message, but every common element of creation is speaking. Are we paying attention? Now you know the story and the meaning of darkness. What are you going to do about it? Well, three suggestions as I conclude this, this evening. Number one, believe. In Egypt, the plague of darkness, if you know the story, the ninth plague, was followed by the tenth plague, which is the plague on the firstborn. Only those whose doorways were smeared with the blood of a lamb, the lintel, were spared from the death angel that came through. Now that could be the angel of death as it, some, as it often is translated. It could also be an angel that hovered over the houses where the blood was placed. So whether it's the wrath of God which brings death and an angel of life that protects God's people or an angel of death that comes and passes by the houses where the blood is smeared, either way the result is the same. Redemption, sparing, mercy for those who had a victim as their substitute. Just so, Jesus shed his blood to spare you from damnation. There's, there's a tradition, and we can't verify this scientifically, but it's very possible that right around the time, 3 p.m., when Jesus breathed his last, in that exact moment in the city, in the temple, the lamb was slain for Passover. Just as God said, let light shine out of darkness when he created the world, so he has said with equal power, may the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shine in your hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. Trust him, believe in him, and his light will shine upon you. That's the first application. Secondly, pause. Even though the light of Christ has come, so often we who believe in Christ get caught up in the rat race, the hamster wheel, I like to call it, of all the world's demands or the demands that we put upon ourselves. Sometimes it's not the world that's to blame, but the sinful nature of our own hearts. The guilt and shame we feel isn't from others coming at us, it's from ourselves. Jesus has entered the darkness. He, he died to set us free. The light of Christ has shined in your life. And you continue to walk in darkness, I can tell by the way that you look. But if the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ has come into my life, then we want to see that on my face. We're living as victorious saints, not as beaten down, shame-filled sinners. We are sinners saved by grace, but that makes us saints. A strange kind of saint, not a saint fit for a museum or a mural on a wall, not the ones that you'd visit anyway, but a saint worthy to receive a letter from the Apostle Paul to the saints in Ephesus, sinners saved by grace. I hear you're struggling. I hear you're, you're forgetting that Jesus paid for your sins. And so he writes to them and he said, you're sons of light. Walk in the light. John says the same thing. 
as he is in the light and the blood of Jesus, his son, covers us from all sins. Pause. This is what every Sunday is a, is a, is a present with a bow on it given to you to pause your life. You're not defined by your work. You're defined by his work. You're not defined by the demands of this world. You're defined by the demands of the world that is to come. You're not living for the applause of men. You're living for the praise of God. Don't wallow in despair or get swallowed up by death. Reflect in silence. Change your routine. Bring some order, some redemptive order to the chaos that sin has created. Create habits. My friend tells me that a man needs his habits. What are your habits? Are they sanctified habits? Is there a holy pause in your day? Devotions, daily devotions, reading the word, prayer, asking for help. Good Friday is an annual pause concentrated on the death of Christ. So faith, pause, and then finally, shine. I want to challenge us to shine for God. See, the scriptures shine when we read them with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The pastor, before he preaches, is the prayer of illumination. We're praying that that these words won't just stay on the page, but if it's possible, if you can imagine an animation, that the words will hover off the page and not stay there, but they'll come into your heart and change you. I don't pray and prepare the the preaching of the word just to feel like I can check a box. I'm praying and preparing that you might leave changed. We're preaching, we're worshiping, singing, and praying for life change. The scripture is a book to change us. And it starts with me. We're all in this change business together. We want to shine for God. I mentioned this. Walk in the light as he is in the light and you'll have fellowship with one another. We can't shine alone. It's a communion of saints. It's a, it's a corporate entity. It's the body of Christ. It's hands and feet and eyes and mouths and ears. Each one with a unique gift. It's rich and poor. Men and women. Boys and girls. Young and old. All ethnicities. The body of Christ the glory of God in the world. The darkness is profound. It's deafening. It's discouraging. I read the paper this morning and I just, I was depressed. This thing going on over here and this thing going on next door and everything in between. It's easy to be beat down with what's happening. Sometimes my life feels like it's one step forward and two steps back, not two steps forward and one step back. But though the darkness is profound, the darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness is baffled by the light. The enemy does not know what to do with the Son of God hanging on the cross. The cry of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century after darkness comes the light as needed today. We need another reformation today, spiritual enlightenment, a fresh walk with God, renewal, revival in the church. And we need to seek this together so that you in your small corner and me in mine, your good works for the glory of God and mine for the glory of God.
that men and women see these good works and are baffled and glorify God as we seek to advance his light in the world until the dawn of the new creation comes, which is coming very soon. Let us pray. Father, as we bow in the semi-darkness of this sanctuary, we know that it's just a building. The real church are the souls that occupy this house. They are the household of God, living stones being built up. And even this evening, Lord, fresh resolutions being made. Yes, I want to change. I want to believe. I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to renew my repentance. Get rid of that darkness which is swallowing me, the sin which so easily entangles to refix my gaze upon the cross as my Savior did, despising its shame and then was seated at the right hand of God. I want to follow my Savior in his faithfulness, not merely as an example, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. With my brothers and sisters, Lord, I can hear those resolutions. So, Lord, hear us as we cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.